This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening in to the show today. And guys, I just got to tell you, I'm going to be right up front with you from the very beginning. I might release this episode a little bit early because literally to my left, on my screen here to my left, they're about to read the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial in the death of George Floyd. And so there's a lot of breaking news, a lot of stuff going on, but I wanted to make sure to record this episode because this is also important. But don't worry, I will give you my full thoughts on how that's going on. And if I keep cutting my eyes to the life, uh, to the left at least, you'll know that's the reason why. But before we get into today's episode, I just want to flow a little bit on last week's episode. So last week, if you've not listened to episode 190 of this podcast, it's called we're going for it. Okay. You've got to listen to that episode. So it's a short one, but it gives you kind of a peek behind the curtain as to what we're doing here with Undaunted Life, what our intentions are for the future, and how we plan to significantly ramp up the things that we're doing to help you guys push back darkness. And also in that episode, we talked about the ways that you guys would be able to partner with us. And so if you'd like to have a little bit more information on that, you can just go to www.undaunted.life backslash donate, but make sure you listen to that episode. But for this week, I wanted to get into an article that was brought to my attention when I was listening to the Albert Moeller podcast earlier this week. And it was, it was just astonishing that there's very few things I feel like now that can absolutely catch me completely off guard. And this one kind of did, and it was because of how honest it was, but also the timing was very, very interesting. So this was a Los Angeles times article, LA times article, and it was called this, the right to an abortion means the right to have it for any reason. Okay, now this was not authored by a single person. This was authored by the Times editorial board, right? So this was an editorial decision to write this. And here's the thing about the LA Times, for those of you that don't pay attention to this type of stuff because you're not a gigantic nerd, but it's one of the biggest newspapers in the United States. It's always in the top five in terms of its distribution and circulation. And it actually has a bigger readership than even the New York Times, at least from a, a circulation standpoint. But this article was posted and published it and published on April the 16th of 2021. And so what what I want to do, because I I know that there are a lot of people that are kind of on both sides of the fence that will only read certain parts or only show certain things from a video just so it really supports their argument. I'm going to read the full text of this article. It's, it's not long. It's not a very long one. So you can just hang with me and then you can make fun of me for reading out loud later. I'll do my best. But I don't want anyone to say that I was in any way leaving out any context or misrepresenting what was said in this editorial by the LA Times. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start reading, and I'm just going to go all the way through, and then I'm going to give you my commentary, okay? So here we go. A constitutional right to an abortion means a right to have one for any reason. That should also mean a woman can elect to tell her doctor or not why she wants an abortion. But that's not what's happening in Ohio where the state legislature in 2017 passed a ban on doctors performing abortions when they know the woman is seeking one because her fetus has been diagnosed with Down syndrome or is suspected of having it. The law also made it a felony for doctors to defy the law. That measure is just one of hundreds of unjustified restrictions that state legislatures have passed in the last decade to curtail a woman's right to an abortion up to the point when the fetus is viable outside the woman's body, roughly 24 weeks into pregnancy. The Supreme Court guaranteed that right nearly 50 years ago in the landmark case of Roe v. Wade and has upheld it multiple times since then. Any restriction that makes it overly difficult to get an abortion or conflicts with the right to obtain one, such as limiting abortions to the first 8 to 10 weeks of pregnancy, is typically blocked by the courts. And the recent passel of laws that bar women from having an abortion for certain reasons, for example, to select the child's gender or to avoid a genetic anomaly like Down syndrome, have often been blocked by courts as well. That's what initially happened with the Ohio law. 
A federal judge issued a preliminary injunction after lawyers for several medical service providers and a doctor in Ohio sued the state. But in a troubling decision, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit overturned the lower court's order and removed the injunction this week, allowing the law to go into effect. Writing the lead opinion for a fractured court, Circuit Court Judge Alice M. Batchelder said the law never bans a woman from seeking an abortion for a fetus diagnosed with Down syndrome nor poses a burden that interferes with her getting in the abortion. Why? Because a woman doesn't have to tell the doctor performing the abortion that she wants the abortion for that reason. In Batchelder's view, the law is there only to stop doctors in the state from knowingly performing abortions on fetuses with Down syndrome. If the doctors don't know about the fetus's diagnosis, Batchelder reasoned, they aren't discriminating against the Down syndrome community. But in fact, all the state has done is discriminated against the women who want to have a frank discussion with their doctors about whether they want to give birth to a baby that is expected to have Down syndrome. The court admits it's the woman's right to have the abortion for whatever reason. But by keeping mum about their motives, the judge argues, a woman relieves some of the stigma about Down syndrome. As Judge Jeffrey Sutton put it in a concurring opinion, the Ohio law makes the decision a private one and leaves it there, perhaps just where it should be at and should be left. At the same time, it prevents the medical profession in particular and society in general from knowingly casting aspersions on individuals with Down syndrome or, worst of all, celebrating the number of Down syndrome births averted. That's just loopy. It's the abortion patient equivalent of don't ask, don't tell. And that helps no one. Worse, it may be counterproductive. It certainly doesn't help people living with Down syndrome who rightly need to be protected against discrimination at school and work. And did it occur to the state legislatures and the appellate judges that the more deeply and candidly a woman can discuss her options and possible decision with her doctor, who may also be the one performing the abortion, the more information she may get about Down syndrome, which could help to overcome the stigma the law cites? But at the end of the day, it is still an unconstitutional ban on abortion, as Judge Bernie Bowie Donald points out in her dissent. Ohio would have to have us believe that such a ban is constitutionally acceptable, as long as the law does not affect other women with other reasons for seeking an abortion. In other words, it does not ban many women, so it's not a ban. As 18 constitutional law scholars point out in an amicus brief, that is nonsense. A ban on any particular abortion is just that, a ban. It does not matter that not every abortion is banned. Rather, it matters that the law bans any woman from choosing an abortion. The Supreme Court evidently needs to underline a point that should have been, uh, been clear already. No matter what lawmakers may think about a woman's reasons for attaining an abortion, those reasons don't matter. Okay, so that is it in its entirety. So I tried to read it deadpan. I tried to read it straight down the middle. So you guys didn't think I was trying to do an inflection one way or the other. So I did my best. Okay. So here's my commentary. So this article is obviously chock full of euphemisms and misdirection. You know, we hear the word used fetus instead of baby. We hear, you know, women's right to an abortion instead of abortion on demand. So anytime you're reading something like this, that's going to come from a leftist perspective, which is certainly what you're going to get from the editorial board at the LA times. You should just be ready for that. So I know some people are like, Oh my gosh, why'd they use these words? And why'd they use that words? It's because this is how these people think they want to communicate in euphemisms because if they don't communicate in euphemisms, then they have to kind of really, you know, bring themselves to the table and understand what they're talking about. So another piece of commentary is that we as pro-lifers, so I'm assuming most of you listening to this are pro-lifers. We certainly hope that you are. If, if not, we have a lot of episodes that we think might change your mind. But we celebrate Down syndrome abortion bans like they matter. 
Now, that might strike you as a little bit weird for me to say, because, well, Kyle, aren't you pro-life? Don't you want us to, to ban Down syndrome abortions? Well, yeah. I mean, of course I do. But I want to ban all abortions. Right? Because I want to give you a reminder here. The overwhelming majority, the overwhelming number of abortions occur for a single reason. And that reason is convenience. Right? Oh, it's just not a good time for me right now. I, I'm too young or, I, or I'm too old or I already have a few kids or I don't know who the dad is or, man, I don't really have money right now or I'm a junior in college. I really want to finish out my education. It's convenience. Guys, less than 1% of abortions that occur in this country occur because of rape and incest. That, that's what everyone likes to go to. Oh, let's talk about rape. Let's talk about incest. Oh, you want those people to take those babies to term? Right? But at the same time, you have these same people that will talk about you know, the woman's health being in danger. But technically, guys, 0% of abortions, 0% occur to, quote unquote, save the life of the mother. And because here's the thing is because any physician that took the Hippocratic Oath and, you know, frankly, took it seriously, they had to have taken that oath with the inclusion of the phrase, first do no harm. And, and then that realizes that their goal should be to preserve the lives of the two people that are involved in that situation. Because any physician worth their salt realizes that there's not one person that they're dealing with when they're talking about a, about a potential abortion, right? Or, or when you have a woman that's maybe having some sort of medical issue or medical emergency, that's going to affect her life. Obviously, that affects the life of the baby inside of her as well, okay? And so the thing that's important for us to remember is that, yes, I'm glad that babies with Down syndrome in the womb won't be murdered for that reason anymore in Ohio. But there's a massive problem here, and that is that in the state of Ohio, the woman can just say, I don't want it, and she can get an abortion. But if she lists the reason as Down syndrome, if she tells her doctor, I'm going to kill this baby, actually, I'm not going to kill them, I'm going to pay you as a mercenary to go into my womb and murder the baby for me, then, and it's because of the reason of Down syndrome, that is banned, right? So do you see how easily a woman can get around this? Do you see how easily someone like, you know, an organization like Planned Parenthood or any individual abortionist could just get around that? Like the number of stories I've heard of people like basically Planned Parenthood being like, oop, don't tell me, don't tell me how old you are. Otherwise I won't be able to give you an abortion. Oop, don't tell me how he got pregnant. Otherwise I might have to file something with the state saying that, you know, you may be part of sex slavery or you may be being taken advantage of by somebody that is statutorily raping you or just straight up raping you. So it's a big issue there. Again, I'm not hating on heartbeat bills. I think as of like an hour ago, I got a notification on my phone saying that the state of Oklahoma is going to be banning abortions after a heartbeat can be detected. And I say, great, what about all the babies that are aborted before a heartbeat can be detected? Because organizations like Planned Parenthood, they make all their money off of things like abortions, right? That they make the majority of their money off of that procedure. And so isn't it in their best interest to not find a heartbeat? If you've ever had an ultrasound or your wife has had an ultrasound or something like that, you know that they sometimes struggle to find the heartbeat. Well, if you work for one of those organizations, you're just going to look for the heartbeat for a little bit and be like, whoopsie. I mean, is there, is there like a police officer sitting there in the room with you making sure that you give it the good college, good old college try to find the heartbeat? No, there, there's no justification for it, right? There's, it's really hard to follow up with that because you would literally have to have a soldier or, or a police officer or a judge or, or some sort of attorney in all these different exam rooms. And that's not really something that we're going to see happen. Okay. Spent a lot of time on that point, but let, let's get back into the article here. I'm going to go through a couple of quotes. So here's a quote from the article. 
But in fact, all the state has done is discriminated against the women who want to have a frank discussion with their doctors about whether they want to give birth to a baby that is expected to have Down syndrome. Which makes me think, is that all this is about? Is that all that this is about? We're just preventing women from having forthright discussions about a mercenary as to whether or not they should pay them to murder the baby? Is that what we're talking about? They're, they're trying to take this macro issue and boil it down to this little bitty thing and say, no, what we're actually doing is we're discriminating against women that just want to have a frank discussion with their doctors. No, actually what we're having a discussion about is whether or not y'all are going to get into an arrangement, a financial arrangement, and kill that baby. That's what I want to talk about. That's what we should discriminate against. I fully, I'm not for discrimination macro, but I will fully discriminate against any woman that is trying to kill the baby in her womb or any guy that is going to drive her there or pay for it or just sit idly by and watch their baby get murdered. Sorry, I'm totally discriminating against that. But going back to the article, I want to read this quote here. As Judge Jeffrey Sutton put in a concurring opinion, the Ohio law makes the decision a private one and leaves it there, perhaps just where it should be left. At the same time, it prevents the medical profession in particular and society in general from knowingly casting aspersions on individuals with Down syndrome or, worst of all, celebrating the number of Down syndrome births averted. That's just loopy. It's the abortion patient's equivalent of don't ask, don't tell. And that helps no one. Worse, it may be counterproductive. It certainly doesn't help people living with Down syndrome who rightly need to be protected against discrimination at school and at work. Oh. Okay, so we're all of a sudden concerned about somebody with Down syndrome being discriminated against at school and work, but we're not worried about someone with Down syndrome being discriminated against while in the womb. That's all that nonsense that the editorial board wrote there. That's what they're saying. Well, gosh darn it, we don't want people with Down syndrome to be discriminated against. And yeah, I would raise my hand and say the exact same thing. I don't want that. But also, discrimination can happen not at school or the workplace. It could happen in the womb. Someone's like, well, gosh, I don't want my kid to have Down syndrome. Let's just kill it. As if being dead is better than being alive with Down syndrome. I would say there are probably millions of people, human beings with worth that are alive today on this planet that have Down syndrome that would disagree with you. That they would say, no, it's, it's actually pretty cool to be alive. I'm super glad my parents didn't stamp me out while I was in the womb. Going back to the article here, another quote. And did it occur to state legislators and the appellate judges that the more deeply and candidly a woman can discuss her options and possible decision with her doctor, who may also be the one performing the abortion, the more information she may get about Down syndrome, which could help to overcome the stigma the law cites. Oh, okay. So we're now super concerned about the mother who's currently considering a murder-for-hire program to stamp out the life of her child, perhaps having to go to Dr. Google in order to avoid stigma? I mean, I mean let, let's just be honest, guys. I mean, who gives a flip about the life inside of her? I mean, pff, who cares about that? She might get bit by the stigma bug. Ooh, no, no. Like, what are we going to do if that happens? This is literally how people think. Uh, we're, we're so worried about this woman's feelings. Like there, there might be some stigmatizing going on in this situation. And we got to avoid that. And laws like this just don't help us do that. 
Again, it's a seared consciousness that worries about the feelings of a woman and not the feeling that the baby feels when they're being ripped to pieces in the womb. Again, babies at a very, very early part of production, right, or in their part of development, rather, not production, but development, it's evidence that they feel pain very early. Essentially, every abortion that takes place in the United States occurs after the point where the baby can definably feel pain. So if they're being sucked out with a suction tube, they feel that, right? You've heard me say this before. If they're being sawed into pieces and then being pulled out little by little and then the remains of them are scraped from the uterine wall, they can feel that, right? When an abortionist puts a needle into their heart and injects them with poison and it takes them between a day or two to die in the womb before they basically force the baby out in, in a... Yeah, you know, forced birth, but after the baby has passed away, they feel that. That they feel their skin burning. They feel their organs boiling from the inside. They feel it. Okay? But let's not worry about that. Let, let's not worry ourselves with that type of nonsense. Let's worry about the woman's feelings. That she might be stigmatized, or that there might be a stigma in the ether somewhere that's affecting her decision in this moment. Good grief. Next one here. We'll just keep going so my head doesn't explode. I actually love the point that Albert Moeller brought up Monday on his podcast, and it was this. The moment that society, courts, or the public come to the realization that abortion is wrong for any reason, then that makes every so-called reason for abortion unstable. I thought that was a really good point. Let me repeat it. This isn't a direct quote. I'm just kind of summarizing the things that he said. But the moment that society, courts, or the public, right, so all of us, come to the realization that abortion is wrong for any reason whatsoever, then that makes every other so-called reason for an abortion unstable. So right here, people are like, oh, okay, well, you know, abortion is wrong in the case of Down syndrome, right? Well, if you accept that societally and legally and publicly, right, as a conglomerate or as a group of people, right, that, that makes up America or a state or a province or something like that, then we start asking ourselves, well, what about when the baby's at this stage of a development? Or I don't really think it's right that a baby should be killed in the womb just because the mother is a whore and doesn't know who she slept with and who the baby's father is. And she doesn't want to go through that arduous process of figuring that out. Or she's a well-meaning person. Maybe she's a single mom. She's got a bunch of deadbeats in her life. This is her third or fourth kid. And she's thinking to herself, I, I just don't know if I can survive. What if we decide that that's not a good thing? That's not a good enough reason to kill somebody. Even in the case of rape and incest, which is talked about, which I talked about, is well less than 1% of the listed reasons for abortion. Why should the baby get the death penalty for the sins of the father? We would never accept that in any other place within legal society. We, we wouldn't accept that in our civilization. Like, my father goes and kills somebody and I go to jail for it. Like, nobody would be, nobody would be okay with that. But we're giving a baby, an innocent third party, the death penalty because their father sinned. Like, that's not acceptable. So I think the reason why we're seeing things like this article and the things that people are saying on YouTube and basically on mainstream media sources about, about the abortion issue is because if we start saying that certain types of abortions aren't acceptable in our society, then that is the type of mindset that could ripple out and eventually consume all abortion. Because if you're being reasonable, right, if you're operating with intellectual integrity and honesty, you have to know that abortion for this reason is not that different from abortion for that reason. 
Because even in this podcast, we talked about rape and incest. You shouldn't kill the baby just because their father was a horrible person, right? You shouldn't do that. But also there's never a medical necessity for an abortion, right? The, the physician should always look at the mother and the baby and try to save both of them. And in most cases, or I won't say most cases, in cases, that's not always going to be possible to save them both. But as a physician, you need to try to. You don't kill the baby so that you can start trying to save the mother. Like that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But we're going to go back to the article. We're going to kind of get to the end of the article here. There's kind of an ending sentiment here, and I'll go ahead and read it here. The Supreme Court evidently needs to underline a point that should have been already or should have already been clear. No matter what lawmakers may think about a woman's reasons for attaining and obtaining an abortion, those reasons don't matter. Okay, so let's just break down the very first part of that. The SCOTUS, right? Supreme Court of the United States evidently needs to underline a point. Dot dot dot. But wait a minute. Earlier in the article. And some of you guys already caught this. Earlier in the article, it says, quote, the Supreme Court guaranteed that right nearly 50 years ago in the landmark case of Roe v. Wade and was upheld and it was uphold, upheld in multiple times since then, unquote, right? So why would they possibly need to underline something that has apparently been underlined many times already? That doesn't make a lot of sense. You don't need to underline something that's been underlined and underlined and underlined. There doesn't need to be an additional underline that doesn't do anything. But then you have to kind of go a little bit further with that argument and say, why are politicians like Joe Biden claiming that they're going to try to codify Roe v. Wade into law to, to become the law of the land? You heard him and Kamala Harris say that on the campaign trail before they were elected. And that's because Roe currently allows states to make at least some restrictions, right? Lowe technically made it legal to, to offer abortion in all 50 states, but it does also allow for the states to make their own restrictions based on their own local thoughts and their own local legislatures, right? But Biden and the Democrats and the media, which, you know, Democrats and the media, that's basically saying the same thing. They want there to be no restrictions on abortion at all whatsoever. And they also want the American taxpayer, most of you guys listening to this, to foot the bill for it, right? Joe Biden has never found an important issue that, that he hasn't flip-flopped on, but he was against the Hyde Amendment, or like he was, he was for keeping the Hyde Amendment, and now he's against it. The Hyde Amendment basically prevents federal funding going to pay for abortions. But at the same time, that doesn't actually even matter, because as, as taxpayers, we already give hundreds of millions of dollars to Planned Parenthood every year. And they're like, oh yeah, well that money's not earmarked for, for abortion. But it's all going in the same pot. Like if, I, if I've got a pot and there's a hundred bucks in it and you say, hey, I'm going to give you 10 bucks, Kyle. But hey, Kyle, you cannot spend that, that 10 bucks on black tar heroin. You can't do it. And I say, sure, I won't spend that $10 on black tar heroin. That's great. I take your 10 bucks. Now I've got 110 bucks in my bucket or wherever I've got this money. And then I go buy black tar heroin. Well, you would be within your rights to come back to me and be like, hey, hey, Kyle, I told you not to spend that money on black tar heroin. It's like, no, 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 no. I didn't spend your 10 bucks. I don't know what black tar heroin costs. Some of you guys are like, oh, that's not what it costs. But let's just assume it costs about that much. But I would just say, hey, I, I didn't spend that $10 on black tar heroin. I spent this $10, but it was still coming from the same bucket. It's a ridiculous example, but I feel like you guys know what I mean. Like, that's the thing here. We're already giving money to them. So people freaking out on my side, freaking out about the Hyde Amendment. It doesn't matter. We're already giving them hundreds of millions of dollars and they're using it to kill babies. That's what they're doing. But let's get into the second part of that quote there at the end. And it was this, no matter what lawmakers may think about a woman's reasons for obtaining an abortion, those reasons don't matter. So to that, I would say, finally, finally, they are saying the quiet part 
out loud. They want abortion on demand. They want it for any reason. And if you don't like it, shut up. They're finally saying it out loud. I think they're emboldened now because they've got Biden in the White House. They have control of the Senate and the, and the House. And here we are. You can say bold things like that when there's basically no repercussions. But guys, but here's the reality. Here's the reality, and we're going to kind of bring this to a close. Republicans had control of the White House, the Senate, and the House of Representatives in 2017 and 2018. They could have defunded Planned Parenthood completely and made huge strides to eradicating abortion. The, the odds of it being eradicated completely in that two-year span were almost infinitesimally small, like to, as to the point of not even maybe mention it. But they didn't have the stones to do it. Funding for Planned Parenthood technically went up during the four years that Donald Trump was president, okay? And for two years, he could have done anything that he wanted because there were basically no ramifications for him politically for two years, right? But then he lost the House and has then lost the Senate and then basically lost his job. But now, Democrats, they have control of the White House and the Senate and the House of Representatives, at least for 2021 and 2022. And here's the scary part. They have no limiting principles. They have no limiting morality to the things that they're willing to do right now. They intend to, and they've essentially told us, and they told us even before the 2020 election for president or senator or whatever, that they want to fundamentally change what the United States of America is as a country. Okay? They want to change everything about it. Now, we're only in the uh, we're only in a first few months into the Biden administration, okay? He's got full congressional support and look at everything that's already changed. Crisis on the southern border, the signaling that they're going to make changes on gun policies, basically gun grabbing type of things, uh issues with uh with abortion, issues with every main issue that should be of importance to us as Americans, but certainly as Christian onlookers, okay? And to think that they're not going to take tremendous strides to codifying Roe v. Wade is absurd. They're obviously going to do that. They've already talked about trying to get rid of the filibuster so that they could add states, right? They've talked about all these different things. There's a lot of darkness that we're going to see coming in the next two years, which is partially why we want y'all to partner with us so that we can help you push back against that. But since Roe v. Wade, 62 million children have been murdered in the womb so far. 62 million plus have been murdered since that decision. About, about a million more will be added to that number in 2021, okay? And it's hard to really put those numbers into perspective. And, and that kind of like helps me remember a quote. This is attributed to jo- uh, so the Soviet leader, Joseph Stalin, but it's a single death is a tragedy. A million deaths is a statistic. So for, for you guys listening to this right now, I say 62 million dead and it's like, oh, that's horrible. That's really horrible. Yeah, it's really, really horrible. It's a leading cause of death, including warfare, of, of any time in human history. Like, I'm pretty sure my numbers are okay there, right? We, we talk about the 6 million Jews killed by, the, by Nazi Germany and Hitler. We talk about the tens of millions killed under Stalin. We talk about you know, the tens of millions killed under Mao. We've killed 62 million children just in our country alone. And for what? So a woman can have the quote-unquote right to choose? That's 62 million people, you guys. 
but we don't think of it in terms of the individual names that they would have been given by their parents. We don't think about it in the individual contributions that they would have made to society overall. We just look at that as this large conglomeration. Oh, 62 million, that's terrible. I want you guys to think about what that number actually means, okay? Because we've got some very, very dark days ahead. And every single day that passes by, a few more thousand kids are murdered in this country, legally. What are you going to do to stand in the, in the breach? What are you going to do to stand up against that darkness? We're going to continue to give you resources and help you along that path. But I need you to be there with me. All right, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick quick resilience boost, rather. At Undaunted Life, our mission is equipping men to push back darkness with content that forges spiritual, mental, and physical resilience. So all I've got for you today is I've got the editorial right. It's called The Right to an Abortion Means the Right to Have It for Any Reason. I want you guys to read that. I want you guys to read other commentary, not just mine. And again, just as a reminder, I've still got the the news up right here. The Derek Chauvin trial results or the, the verdict has not been read yet. It has been reached. So expect me to kind of come back after I've had some time to absorb everything that that means. And we'll talk more about that. Guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Wherever you're listening to this, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you want me to come speak at your live event or on your podcast, just send me an email, info at undaunted.life. That's I-N-F-O at undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and believe it or not, TikTok. Yep, God save us, but we're on TikTok now, still trying to figure that out. And you can also like us on Facebook. Check out our website for everything else, including how to donate to keep more content like this coming. And you can just go to www.undaunted.life. And we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is our song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. Whoa!